Hey guys, welcome to episode 247 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, Rishi Hirway. Uh, what a wonderful man. Um, uh, he is, uh, of course, known um, for many things, but uh, certainly for the brilliant podcast Song Exploder and the equally brilliant podcast West Wing Weekly that he does with Joshua Molina. And uh, I was so delighted that he was delighted to do the JV Club. Um, very quickly before I get into the episode, I just wanted to uh, also announce that um, this feels timely because this week SF Sketchfest just announced that we will be presenting West Wing Weekly as well as the Benson Movie Interruption on Saturday, August 26th in San Francisco. I'm going up for that and I can't wait. Uh, Doug Benson uh, will be joined by surprise guests riffing Fifty Shades Darker. Cannot wait to see that. And then and um, Rishi and Josh will be joined by uh, the creator of the West Wing, Mr. Aaron Sorkin. So please join us. I have to tell you that tickets are going really fast. So if you get this and you're going to be in the area and you want to come, please do. Uh, someone is knocking on my trailer. I have to go shoot. But uh, please enjoy this episode and I will talk to you next time. Now entering Nerdist.com. Should we jump in? Right after we talk about feeling weird about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel weird about that. Hey, you want a <laughs> podcast? I'm ready. Hooray! Feeling weird is my default state. So. Oh, good. Now, how are you feeling about your voice being on this? You're very comfortable with it on West Wing, but when we were, but I'm very have, uncomfortable have you, with it on West Wing Weekly. You are? Have you? Yeah. Because when we talked, we were talking about that in on Joko, and yeah. you were like, "I didn't." My intention was not necessarily to be an on mic podcaster. It's true. And I would. I are. would prefer not to be. Uh, that is very modest. And it makes all of those of us who just decided to jump in and yak about ourselves uh, feel like real no. self-centered. I mean, there are certainly some people who have podcasts who probably, you know, maybe shouldn't. <laughs> but I would say most of the people who are doing it because they're funny and charming are funny and charming and they should. Right. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm agreeing, now I'm agreeing with you. Right. <laughs> I guess that is true. <laughs> That's funny you would say that because it is very true about us. Uh, no, but you have such a pleasant voice and i think that that's the hardest thing for me is when i've brought it up more than once on this podcast is that feeling of tremendous guilt every time i'm annoyed with someone's (laughs) podcasting voice because i sure there are people who can't stand mine right but there is and you can't control it i can't control it there's a real i don't have a i can pretty much listen to any sort of like the sound of the voice it doesn't ever really bother me. I can, I'll listen to a, like a nasal whiny voice all day, but I think sort of cadence and upbringing oh. somehow has gotten, it gets me down. It Even is though the personality. I'm not, I don't, it's not like I sound like a newscaster. I'm very, I use like every other word. Because I've heard you speak about, you know, podcasters whose voices are maybe not for you. Oh, and yeah. I always assumed you meant the actual like sonic quality of their voice. I, I didn't know you meant. I think it's not. I think I have, the the problem I have is that First of all, I probably don't like voices that unconsciously or consciously I worry I sound like. Maybe. Sure. Maybe. I also worry a great deal about the idea of unconscious sexism in the way I perceive men's and women's voices. Yeah. Um, 
the vocal fry thing is not a, a huge problem for me, but there is a, I think what I've discovered is that there is a, a dishy gossip approach, particularly when I'm listening to something that isn't that conversational, it's more political or yeah. like if it's a crime podcast, for example, mm-hmm. that is where, that's where it gets me. That's, those are the ones I've had to stop listening to. Have you ever experienced that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I mean, but like the personalities, I, I guess I, yes, I think of that as personality thing. thing. Yeah, less because about the sound. Because if I saw it on voice. paper, if I saw the writing on paper, I don't know that it would trouble me. But I just was listening to some someone who was like, when I first visited him in prison, I was really surprised at how handsome he was. Like, there's just this weird sort of yeah casual gal feels very young to me, and then I start thinking, oh no, I'm an old lady who. I don't know. What's your, what are your turnoffs in listening to podcasts? Well, I think the thing that you said, not just in podcasts in general in life uh, that I feel all the time is, did you ever heard that thing that, um, we, the thing we loathe most in others is what we fear most in ourselves. Right. That's why, that's what I said. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so worried that, that that must be it. Yeah. So you do, what do you feel? So what does that look like for you? I should say look like is not accurate since we're talking about sounds. I think it's less about the sound and more about the content. Yeah. I worry, you know, like I, I actually have a really hard time listening to the West Wing Weekly. I, I, we have farmed out as much of the listening or I have farmed out as so much of the listening so I don't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. It's, it's, it's too painful. How did you decide to, I mean, is that, have you always sort of been into the presentation of art in a certain form, but from, uh, not necessarily on the stage with a light on you. Well, I was the sing- you know, I was a singer in a band for a very long time and that was like my main thing. Um, but the difference is that like every single note, every single word was meticulously um, figured out before I had have to present it publicly. Yeah. And so I could feel like I, I lived with those decisions um, as opposed to trying to do it extemporaneously like this, where I feel like, well, am I saying the wrong thing? Am I stammering? Am I pausing? And yeah. did I miss say what I meant? You know? Is it the, is, is there a chicken or the egg thing where because of your experience doing that and becoming comfortable with performance in that way, did that then make you uncomfortable after the fact? Or do you think that the reason that you pursued that was because you always were like that and it was this nice formula that sort of felt more comfortable than. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I feel, I feel more most at ease when I get to over prepare and, and like overthink things Yeah, and then, uh, and then eventually be like, well now I just have to let it go. But I've, or, but I've, looked at it from every single angle and, and tried it six different ways. And yeah, that does seem very scientific. Mm-hmm. Does that, what do you, so that you sort of give yourself permission? Like I, I know that I, I sort of did my process regardless of what the end result is in a way that feels like you don't have the control over it that you, yeah. At a certain point you just, you've gone blind and you're like, I can't see it anymore. I think this is the best version, but now I don't know. So now I just have to let it go. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think that's, that's a, those are, that's a different kind of person than I grew up as. Mm-hmm. Like I sort of just wanted to do it once and I, I would hate it more as I went, not to say that I love the first version either. Right. But I think I was so self-critical that, you know, like with r- writer friends of mine who can 
you know, you sort of, you start othering people like, oh, that person can do seven drafts of something and still kind of like the end result. Well, it turns out often that's not true. Right, right. But, but you, you sort of you think, well, them. that must be what they do because I know if I write something, I hate it if I try to make it better, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's, for me, there's a, a long-held perfectionism that I've been trying to get rid of but but for a long time for most of my life i believed that there's like a perfect version of Mm. things and um and i kind of even liked that about myself because i think there's something romantic about it but there's also something like really toxic about that that Mm. viewpoint um that there's some there's some perfection that you have to achieve and if you haven't hit that then everything short of that is a failure right um Oh, we talked about that on the podcasting panel a little bit, I think, on mm-hmm. Joko. Yeah. Yeah. The difference between something being perfect and something yeah. being good. Because we were all saying sort of like, ah, just get it out there. Just <laughs> do a version that it may not end up being and, you know, don't be afraid to. But then the alternate conversation of that, I mean, the sort of alternate viewpoint of that is, well, also people might not like it and give it a chance right. if it's just garbage from the yeah. beginning. So I guess there is a combination. Do you have a sense of where that comes from? I know that's very... Um, psychological sort of armchair psychologist but Mm -hmm. a sense of where the the idea that there was a perfect version of something came from um i think at at least 80 percent of it has got to just be innate in me um because i don't think i have an older sister and i don't think that she feels the same way Hmm. um and then and then maybe 20 percent of the last 20 percent of it might come from my parents Mm -hmm. um Where'd you but guys again, grow up? It might just be the way I interpreted what my parents said. It could be a hundred percent just me and hearing, you know, <laughs> my, you know, my parents would say things like, you know, I'd get, I'd come home from a, from school and I'd be like, Oh, I got an A minus on this thing. And, and my dad would be like, next time get try for the A. And, uh, or at least that was what he meant. And he meant it in like a kind of like a positive supportive way. Uh-huh. But I heard it like, this is not good enough. Sure. And I'd be like, oh, it's not good enough. It's never good enough. But, um, you know, and part of it also, I realized this language barrier. You know, my dad would try He'd be like, that's not how I meant it to come out. Oh, sure. So, yeah. yeah so tell tell us a little about um, where you where you grew up and, and where your parents are from and all yeah. that kind of stuff. To um, put it in context, I guess. I grew up in Peabody, Massachusetts, which Adorable. is um, North Shore. Massachusetts is like north of Boston. Now, would is that Peabody? Like someone else would say Somebody Peabody. Somebody else would say Peabody. And, yeah, yeah okay. but it's Peabody. Peabody. Um, Peabody is so much cuter. <laughs> Peabody. I'm glad that you find it endearing. Most people I think like, it's adorable. Oh, Peabody. Um, it's more fun to say Peabody than Peabody. Way more fun. Yeah. Um, but my parents my parents are from India. They, My dad came over in 68. And then he went back, had an arranged marriage with my mom. She came over in 1970. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they'd lived in Massachusetts basically my whole whole life. My dad was a grad student at UMass at the time when he met my mom. And then they moved into uh, an apartment in Massachusetts and then eventually moved like, you know, 15, 20 minutes north to, to the house where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Where do I start with this? First of all, this is probably a boring way of putting it, but it, I'm always interested in when you have something like an arranged marriage, which is so out of step with American culture. Um, but then, and, and so you have a person who has been living in this culture, but, but, but still embraces that makes that choice, but then brings that choice, like your mom's a choice, but you know what I'm saying? Brings that cultural choice back to the United States. And, um, 
I'm just, I find that so fascinating. And part of it is because I've been such, you know, my family are such a bunch of white mutts from <laughs> various places like Ireland and Scotland and France and all that. But, um, so, so I feel like, you know, everybody's sort of been a part of this, whatever this kind of more pervasive American culture as it's evolved is, as ultimately has not involved arranged marriage in the same right. way that it would in India. And so, that that's of course that's going to be interesting to me right but just that idea of it's one thing when you're doing it and you're sort of surrounded by people who also embrace that and support it versus pulling out of that and dropping into some place where i'm sure they did have friends who were like arranged marriage do tell yeah i mean we kind of my sister and i were also fascinated by it i think because we grew up here it did feel foreign even though it was our parents and, and it was a part of their life and therefore part of our lives it still it felt unimaginable so yeah. we would ask them about it a lot um and it, i always got a kick out of the, the idea that like marriages that were not arranged had their own special category in india like it was like oh well you know your mom's the not her young next younger sister but the sister after that the baby sister in the family she had a love marriage <laughs> so they'd call it a love marriage that's so great yeah it's like in this version. So I was just with people who were playing uh, disc golf this weekend. Uh-huh. Who said that some people who play disc golf enough call regular golf ball golf. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. like, okay, well, that's just the scope. Yeah, I get it. That's your scope of what's normal versus. Yeah, I love that. That that's sort of salacious maybe or you know certainly (laughs) certainly different enough it's a little scandalous yeah Yeah. um but it obviously worked for your parents did it yeah i assume it works for your parents they're they're totally dedicated to each other and i think that's also part of the reason why it didn't feel like that big of a thing too um you know mike i didn't know any i didn't have any friends whose parents were divorced until until maybe 11 12 or 13 mm-hmm. like most certainly like growing up all everybody you know the small town where i was all those parents were together oh, Peabody? in Peabody, yeah feels great, feels <laughs> and, great. Um, and so uh everything just kind of felt like the same and and i and like the dynamic between my friends parents the dynamics between between them didn't seem any different they're just like yeah. okay because mostly you interact with them as parents yeah and the mom's you know the mom momishness of the moms and the dadishness of the dads was universal or universal enough that I just felt like, all right, yeah, everything seems normal. Yeah. Um, it was only later that I started to really, you know, understand how weird it must be to just be like, okay, you guys, you want to get married? And also with my, my parents, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they never met until, you know, the Well, that's the day. next question. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of what is their, or their, what is their relationship origin story as it gets told time and again? Because I'm sure yeah. that's another thing is they sort of have, they have their version of you being the front of a band, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, they've probably told that story enough now that it is like, this is the song that we sing. <laughs> right. it, there's no music behind it, but this yeah. is the song that we always sing when people ask about this. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, it might, my dad, um, my dad went to go visit my mom, you know, when he was there. Um, he They had been connected by, letter, like, over correspondence, their family, the families had been connected by mutual friends. My and how family. early was the marriage arranged? Because um, that's the other thing is that I think a lot of us have the sort of fairy tale experience of like, and from when they were born, oh, they right, were right. destined no, no, no. to be together. <laughs> not, not that early. Like I think my dad, you know, like my dad went home from from graduate school 
and was like, oh, it's time for him to get married. Mm -hmm. And so he went home to get married without knowing who he was going to marry. Wow. And then, um, and then, you know, my mom at the time was just like meeting a bunch of potential husbands. I think my dad was supposed to go around meeting a bunch of potential wives, but I don't know that he actually did. I never, I've never heard from my dad's side about any other women. So maybe it was just my mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but my mom told me, you know, like there, she was, she wasn't, she wasn't super into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, into the whole like process of like having to meet, yeah. meet guys. I think she wanted to be swept off her feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that, that, the potential for that was pretty low. Does it feel, is there a sense of, and I say this again, in a country that prides itself in being perhaps more feminist than it in fact is or was, but, um, and, and obviously that's sort of a, a loaded word now uh, for some people, but um, is there a, is when, when you're talking about something like arranged marriage in uh, a more traditional Indian culture, is there a sense of sort of, the guy and the girl are sort of thrown into it at the same level together? Or is there a sense of kind of um, slightly in favor of the, the gentleman or yeah. slightly more matriarchal? Is there, I mean, cause it, usually, to me it sounds like it's really just like you're both, this is, this is what you're, you're both having to kind of experience and be afraid of, but be excited about at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Because if you're, if your mom is, is, if you're saying that your mom sort of stood out in the way of, you know, she wasn't necessarily the meekest person. No, definitely not. I would say that, if anything, many American women elicit lots of eye rolls for being <laughs> so uh, clear about what they want mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I think, back to the question that you had asked about where the that sense of perfectionism comes from. My mom always has, like, you know, she's always got an opinion Yeah, about, like, whatever you're wearing or whatever. And oh, she, she does. Yeah. She'd say it. She'll say it for sure. Does she, so does she have that, um, that first of all, I feel like this is just a parent, a parent podcast where yeah, I'm like, yeah, I just yeah. want you to tell, <laughs> just tell me their stories. Yeah. Give me all their business. <laughs> um, but does she, was she the kind of mom who sort of had, uh, like she really had a sense of you reflecting her on some level or was it more just that she was, um, just invested and, you know, passionate about her kids? My mom has, has kind of like a Jane Austen character. I love it. Um, what a wonderful description. I think that she feels like there is a right way to do things and and then a way that is not that's not acceptable, mm-hmm. you know, in polite society, in poli- <laughs> polite company. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is um, based on like assumed judgment from others. And part of it is based on your own judgment of others. <laughs> um, but yeah, it... it I think that she, uh, she just felt like, you know, that's the right way to, you know, that's the right way to do things, whether or not she was actually right or not. Yeah. How does that fit? So how does that fit in with what you found yourself fancying as a younger person? Like by the time you were a teenager, did you have strong opinions about what you were excited about and what you weren't? And did they jibe with what your parents wanted for you? Um, I had strong opinions about everything. Wonderful. Um, and they, and by the time I was a teenager, they definitely didn't jive with my my parents. Um, religion was a thing that was a, that was a big point of conflict between us. You being a born again Baptist. Yes. And (laughs) them being Methodists. Uh (laughs) Predictable. Predictable. Cats and dogs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I remember, uh, I, I finally, I think I finally won when my mom, my parents would go to temple, the Hindu temple that was about like 45 minutes away from, from our house. And they would go 
um, not every Sunday or anything like that, but they would go, you know, especially on holidays and, and significant moments. Um, and if I, and, and they would try and get me to come with them. And, and, you know, at a certain point when I was a teenager, I told them, I was like, I don't believe in this stuff. And mm. so I, I don't think that I should go. It doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, and even if I did, you know, like, why would you go, why do you go to a place, um, for a particular kind of piety or like communi- com- communion with God? Because if God exists, then God is everywhere. And there's no place that has more whatever yeah you know, stuff yeah. like this i would get into i feel that's a wonderful example of how we often feel as teenagers yeah. versus how we feel as adults yeah and so uh so that was you know my my, my argument and my mom finally one time was like just just go just just go for me yeah and i was like uh i was like i'll go for you next time if this time you don't go for me oh rishi <laughs> and she and uh How'd that go? Then she was like, yeah. all right, you stay, I'll go. Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was it. That was basically. That's a good way. That's a very, that's a very immediate way of communicating. Like, how is it going to feel to you to not go? Oh, really? Well, that's how it feels to me to go. Yeah. yeah that's very like, clever. I will respect your beliefs in yeah. this one dose if you do it. Just, just one time. Just yeah. trade off. Are they still, um, uh, I'm grabbing a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, are they still, this is unprecedented. Stop the presses. It's <laughs> unprecedented. I am pulling a chair. I don't even know how to pull my office chair over here because I never sit in an office chair. Do you normally sit on the floor? Like I this? always sit on the floor. This is the first time in my home, the first time I have ever sat in this chair. And it is because I have a pinched nerve in my, kind of my shoulder blade area uh-huh. that radiates up to my neck that, uh, I activated on a hike with the dogs last week where I was, we were going down kind of a slippery slope and I slipped on some loose gravel and fell. Um, Do you want, would you rather sit on the couch? No, this is actually great. I just, I, I forgot that when I was sitting like this last week, I felt worse afterwards. And I thought to myself like, maybe I shouldn't do that next time. I don't know how to do this. Now I'm above you, which all feels very weird. Now no, it feels no, like I I'm like looking it. down I'm on you. Your, I'm at your house. You are the voice of authority. I'm in my throne. Yeah. Um, uh, what were you saying? Okay. So you, oh, so did, since then, do your parents still go to church as regularly? I say church, but do they go to temple? temple. Uh, and I, the reason I said church is because in my mind, I was thinking of my example, which is I also said, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore. This is not for me. And only when I probably six years ago, for the first time since I was a teenager, I went to church with my mom for her. Right. And it wasn't something she asked me to do. Right. It was a total shift in my thinking where for some reason, all of a sudden, like six years ago, I was like, I bet she'd like if I went to church with her while I was visiting. Yeah. And it felt so easy. It felt like, oh, I can just do this. I don't (laughs) have to do it every Sunday. I don't even live here. She can just show me off to her church mates. It doesn't have to mean something about your identity. Yeah. So have you, did you have anything like that? Were you, um, I definitely chilled out more about everything as I got older. Um, but, but now I live, I live so far away from them. Um, I don't see them that often and, and it just doesn't really come up that much. And, and frankly, they don't go to temple as much because my mom's health has deteriorated a lot in the last few years. Mm. Um, it's actually really thinking about her, her, like the way she was when I was a kid is so different from how she is now because she, she can't she basically can't get around on her own and she can't really speak very well. Mm -hmm. Um, she has like a, a 
degenerative nerve kind of um, disorder that they don't know what, what it is exactly, but it's kind of like Parkinson's. And so her voice is really quiet. Mm. And she used to be this kind of like stentorian presence in, in our house. And, um, and she's like the kind of like the joker and the storyteller of her siblings. And, and, um, and so she's kind of uh, been reduced in a lot of ways, physically and also vocally. So it's like, it's like I kind of have a, a different person in, in that position now. I really can relate to that and not my mom doesn't have that, but, um, I don't really talk about my mom's current state very often, but she's, uh, also very different, uh, than she was. And, um, there's, yeah, I just can really relate to that. There's a lot of, I'm still in the phase in her where she is with her health, where I'm just grasping for those moments where it feels like the person that I associate her with yeah i'm just grasping for that i get those nuggets and i i say i like i hoard them like a squirrel for winter like oh i have a voicemail from her oh it's a great voicemail i'm saving this this is precious you know becomes this sort of treasure yeah um so i really can relate yeah that's so strange when that happens with our folks it feels like but people say that's oh that's natural you know in a way that of course it's natural in a way that losing your child isn't natural right but not unlike women that I've talked to who have experienced pregnancy, it's amazing how unnatural the most natural things, <laughs> the most physiologically natural things for us as a species have become by far the most unnatural feeling, right? Yeah. You know, death, illness, birth, anything, just all of those things that are big. I don't think, I, you know, I think there are, I, I feel like I've spoken to few people who when they lose one of their parents are like, yeah, I mean, it just felt like the most natural thing in the world. <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly, yeah. yeah, I knew she was going to die at school. I really felt okay with it. Like, we're very changed by that. And certainly when our parents begin to transform or metamorphose and go through a metamorphosis of sorts, albeit not necessarily for the best, it's it's just a real interesting process Yeah, <laughs> and very tough. It's interesting that, like, how much your physical your physical self determines your personality. Yes. Like the thing, the, uh, is it the sound of their voice or is it the yeah. person behind the voice? Um, but she has, yeah, she has changed as a person, you know, like in, in so far as what your personality, your personality is determined by how it's perceived by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that she interacts with people is totally different. She's just, you know, normally she would pipe up and tell jokes and stuff. And now she doesn't do that. And so I think people who have met her, in the last, you know, five or six years, think of her as a very different person than how I, how I see her, how I remember her. Of course, of course. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even know where to segue from that. There's no like fun segue. Like anyway, how'd you feel about muscle cars? Uh, but I really, I really, really can relate. Um, boy, can I relate? Uh, so, okay. So you knew that you didn't want to go to church. Yeah. I just keep like, I really am leaning into, <laughs> so I'm leaning into that so hard. So you didn't want to go to Methodist church. Right. Um, what is Hindu temple like? Um, I have some friends who are Hindu, but they don't ever observe on mass. Yeah. We don't do mass. I'm sorry. I should <laughs> on mass, on mass as a group. Um, my my main interaction with with temple when i was a kid was the food you know like oh she perks up yeah 
<laughs> it's like you do your obligatory stuff and you don't really like understand. You're just kind of going through the paces following like, like oh, my dad says, okay, now go do this thing. Now do this. Right, right. Like, All right, whatever. And the whole time I'm just thinking of, I'm just thinking about in the basement, there's like food that's being cooked that I am excited to have. And, uh, and that Listen, was, that's, that was the thing. That's a bigger incentive and a thing to look forward to associated with that activity than most of us have. Cause I was not looking forward to the torn up white wonder bread and oh, water yeah. that comes in the sacrament. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about your dad being a food scientist. Uh-huh. Uh, is, does, does him being a food scientist have the same, like, is there a sense of him eating the way a chef enjoys someone else's food like is he i know that he's not a chef and you you know made that clear but is there kind of a sense of his experience of eating a nice meal uh is it would you do you think it, it might be similar to somebody who really thinks about that in a chefy way uh the thing that i think about when it comes to that stuff w- with my dad is um like he he's always <laughs> he's always interested in like new products because really his stuff is it's less i mean it's funny. He's a food scientist and so much of what he makes, I won't eat, uh-huh. you know, and I'm like, what's so processed? And, you <laughs> yeah. Know, here in Los Angeles, uh-huh. uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, dad, do they have it at, uh, do they have it at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? No? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, but I really appreciate this where he, and this is like a shorthand that we just use for my dad all the time where um, he'll like have some weird flavor of potato chip in the house uh-huh. you know and i'm like what's this why why did you do this and my dad will be like something different <laughs> and he that is like <sighs> his response for so many of uh-huh. those choices you know or like a new restaurant i mean he will be like he wants to try new things mm-hmm. and one time i asked him about that i was like dad why why is this like something different like always so appealing to you and he was like, he's like, well, you know, something di- different is something new and p- possibly exciting and you might discover you like it. And then he was like, also, my job relies on the part of people try- w- being willing to try something oh, different. Oh, okay. Because he's, you know, he's they're... He's walking the walk, not yeah, just talking the talk. Exactly. They're yeah. in product development. That's what they do is they develop new recipes or new formulations for things. And so if, if people didn't have that instinct, because I was saying, I was like, I, I find the thing that I like and then I just stick with it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but if everybody did that, there would never be any new products. And he's like, and how did you find those first things? You know, yeah, my, that's my dad's Fair enough, model. fair enough. And so now uh, m- m- me and some of my friends and my wife, we, we like just have this shorthand of just like something, something different. different. <laughs> Maybe I'll try to adopt more of that, but it might not be in trying the new flavor of chips. Yeah. Um, it once does you work start for a that. Po- yeah, once you start. <laughs> it, it really does. But it's like, it's like, oh, there's a spicy Thai yeah. kettle chip. Yeah. Let's try that. I'll tell you what. I had to do, the last time I did at midnight, I had to do a fa- like a Facebook Live tie-in right afterwards. And the thing that they had us do was try to identify which chips were what they had like. So this is very funny yeah. that you would use that as an example because there were like 12 different types of potato chips and then cards of what each one, you know, which is cards of what was in there in the right, mix. Right. And uh I took to that big time. Yeah. Did not want to take any of them home. Was <laughs> did not want to eat more than like half a chip. Right. But the challenge of identifying flavors and kind of trying to under like sort of like okay well do i think it's gonna look different what what am i expecting yeah all of that i took on like i was in sixth grade science i just went i wrote into it hard same with like when you go to uh 
you know, like a vineyard and you can sort of smell oh, sometimes yeah. the really, the, mm-hmm. the really sciencey ones will let you sort of smell then <laughs> you have to identify like, Oh, what is this? Oh, be, Oh, so that because there's a blueberry field nearby, that's where you'll get hints of, you know, yeah. when you get to be in that involved in the process. Did you like science when you were in high school? Um, that's when I decided I didn't like science. Okay. I mm-hmm. thought, I think I thought that I liked science. Um, no religion, no science. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I like it as an idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just knew that I wasn't good at it. Uh, I was thinking about the episode that you did with Kristen Bell mm-hmm. when you guys were talking about um, how you would just ab- abandon things that you weren't uh, immediately yeah. good at. So I re- you relate to that? Related to that to, yeah. What did you naturally uh, take to and, and, and be? Well, so at? I thought that I was like a math and science kid because it's just, you know, you're kind of pushed in that direction anyway being an indian boy like they're like this is what you'd be good at you know and that's and I, from the school not from your parents or no, both. i think from my parents okay. i think from everybody really yeah there's um you know there's something like more masculine about those about that and i think also because there's like it's easier to be quantifiably good at it you know it's like oh i got getting a hundred on a math test is easier to to mm, understand that that's like very a interesting a on an English that's very interesting like that yeah so i don't know I, I guess i just thought that and i thought like i i i i don't really know exactly where it came from you know i loved legos mm-hmm. i loved like building things and so i felt like i had this kind of analytical part of our part of my brain and um and so um so in eighth eighth grade i was in public school all my all my life and then in ninth grade i went to boarding school oh, okay where was your boarding school um it was in new hampshire okay was, uh phillips exeter academy in, mm-hmm. in exeter new hampshire and and that was and that was where things really changed mm. because i think up until that point um yeah i just felt i thought like i mean i didn't think of myself as like i'm a math and science nerd and that's it i thought i was like good at school yeah but um and then you know you get to high school and it kind of feels like oh you, you're starting to figure out your track or something and i thought that that would be you know i'd be like i'd be i was like i'm like like maybe i'd be an architect or or some kind of artsy mm-hmm. A- mm-hmm. engineer or something yeah, like that yeah. i don't know but um but then i really r- realized that um that wasn't really my strength and i didn't really care about it and i liked the humanities a lot more was that was part of that do you think being re- kind of plucked up and removed and yes, yeah again definitely. dropped in away from your parents away from any other close intimate uh, influence kind of telling you yeah. what they thought you were good at yeah or? definitely yeah and also being around kids who are so hardcore and so smart um like so much more advanced than i was in in everything and again especially like with the math science stuff you know with english classes in, in at my high school everybody's taking the same you know you're you're you have different teachers, but you're all advancing at the same level. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of starts in, in the same place. But with math, you you would test into whatever level you were at. Mm. Um, and so I had tested into like the last part of the first year. You know, my the beginning of my f- first year of math, I jumped to the end of the first year. But, and I was like, okay, I felt, felt like good about that. But there were kids, excuse me. Well, how does that work? Wait, so you to... So it's like... So you, what, how did you pick it up? almost end of stream because they just start they they'll the class they'll just start you were yeah they'll start you wherever so it would be like we're starting you here even though this for a standard school would be the end of yeah this exactly. process yeah, yeah it was okay. like there would be you know this is so boring but it's math 110 120 130 and okay. i started in 130 okay you know? but then there were 
but like my roommate started in 210 and then there was and then the 300 level was calculus and then like and you could so you could do 310 and then if you did 319 that meant like the ap version mm -hmm. so there was another kid who lived next door to me who was also a freshman and he started in the ap calculus class as a freshman mm -hmm. and i was like, <laughs> like in two years i'm gonna get there yeah uh and, and, he was already, and so i was like god oh, i'm not immediately way against other people immediately yeah. immediately like nope yep oh, okay i'm this yeah. isn't me yeah i would have like, done the I'm exact not, same thing i'm not good at i would have done the exact same thing um but it was a, so it was a little bit easier to for it to be uh harder to, to decide who was good at english or something like sure. that and then um and then i had one teacher in, in junior year who uh who really loved my writing and i had not thought of myself as being somebody who's who had any kind of aptitude in that, you know, like I, I guess I liked it or whatever, but he, he was the kind of teacher. He was one of those teachers, you know, Oh, captain, my captain. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he made me feel like I was a good writer and, um, and, and that, and, and that activity and that like attention, it just got, it was really exciting for me. And, uh, and, and there, at the same time I was also taking philosophy classes for the first time mm -hmm. um and i really liked that part and i liked the whole i liked the debate of it um sitting around the table and arguing about it and um and that was when i realized that like i think i wanted you know wanted to have this totally different path and there were a couple of teachers i who i had uh who had who i who i really loved who had gone to yale mm -hmm. for for both um for both undergrad and graduate school and they had also gone to the high school that i was at gone yeah to i was going to ask you if it was one of those high school one of those boarding schools that had this sort of like well these are the three colleges that people tend to go to from here or if it was if you know if there's a track that you kind of look out in the front of you and see or if it really is just completely varied and and all all kinds of different out outcomes people had all kinds of different outcomes by the time i was there earlier you know it was like people went to ivy league schools and that was it right but um but when I was there, it was like anybody could go anywhere. Right. Um, but these teachers that you had teachers, had this very specific experience. They had gone to Exeter. They had gone to Yale for undergrad. And then they went to Yale for master's. And then they ended up at Exeter again teaching. And I thought that was the path that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. So by the time I was done with school, that was my plan was I was going to I was going to leave. I was going to go to Yale and uh, and do do the same thing. Do English and philosophy and come back and teach. And come English back and be a teacher. Or philosophy. Yeah, I like love. Oh. I just love that 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 when you see that I mean I've seen it a little bit with like I was had Stephanie Courtney on the podcast and she was telling me that she worshipped her older sisters and so she just kind of was just doing the things that her older sisters did and yeah. um and hearing that when you get when you get so excited by a very specific someone especially a teacher and that is the kind of like you feel like your world cracks open, but it actually kind of only cracks open to this like tiny slit where <laughs> yeah. then that's the like exactly. chorus, like, well, I'll just be exactly like this person. Yeah. It's so adorable, not in a condescending way, but it's just, oh, it's, I just love that. I yeah. love that. It's like, well, this, I love this person. So I guess I'll, I, I'm, that's gotta be the answer, right? Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. I, I really totally idol get it. idolized this one, one English teacher and he, uh, he was married to, he was the head of the English department and then he was married to the head of the math department. And, uh, and 
I remember for like a Valentine's Day assembly because three times a week we would have assembly where the whole school would gather and for Valentine's. This is a, a not a co-ed school, I assume. It was a co-ed school. It is a co-ed school. Okay, good. Yeah. I was assuming that it was not. Yes. I should never also... have said, oh, captain, my captain, because I also was assuming it was in like the late 50s. <laughs> it, well, it was. <laughs> okay, okay, not, okay, was, okay. But, but co-ed. Great, great, great. Um, um, there was a Valentine's Day assembly and uh, and he read a poem that he ri- had written for his wife. Oh, give me a break. I love it. And just like, just slayed. Oh. Everybody was like losing it there. It was so, and she's there, you know, just having to be the object of his affection. Yeah. And, uh, and he's beaming and she's beaming. And I was like, this guy is the man. Yeah. <laughs> Only if he had not yet married her and that was his proposal to oh, her, yeah. would it have been <laughs> exactly. like a step further? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So as uh, so, what was the social scene like? The a boarding school that's co-ed when you're in high school seems like it could be a real hanky panky situation. I mean, I was very excited to go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was. I mean, because the the options that I had. I so it. so my sister went to college before I got to high school, mm-hmm. and she got there, and she my sister had, had a lot of health issues, mm-hmm. and so when she graduated, she graduated in the top ten of her class, but she had missed. 80 out of 180 days of school still managed to graduate in the top 10 of her class what a badass yeah and so we're like total badass then she got to college she went to emory for college and she and she called my parents immediately she was like i'm so unprepared for this she's like high school did not set me up for this level of academic rigor and whatever you do don't let rishi go to the public school don't let him go to the same pbd high that i went to yeah because he's gonna have trouble Hmm. um and so so then we started the process of me like looking at at other options yeah um it's tough like you know then then it was a matter of like where did i where would i get in and what would the financial aid situation be Mm -hmm. and um and so there was one school that was like close to home, but it was like an all boys Catholic school. A bunch of my friends were going to go to that, go there. It wasn't very, very expensive. And, um, and then, and, but then Exeter, uh, was like, you know, I'd have to board there. It was like further away. Um, but they gave me a full ride. And oh, so, and I was like, oh, thank God. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that's to gotta be school. the, yeah, to get a full ride. I mean, that would be, it seems like that that would be a really, because if, if your parents were maybe unsure about yeah. losing you all together yeah, to the exactly. boarding school. Yeah. What, uh, did you date when you were in high school then? I did. I did. And that's, and that's when everything changed. All this stuff happened to kind of at the same time. Yeah. The, uh, that, um, you know, like my teacher who was like, you should be a writer. Um, which I'm obviously not, but, but just that, that moment well, was, this is all that. kind of around the time like sort of the spring uh right right around the time when i turned 16 i went on my you know went on my first date had my first kiss had my first girlfriend had this teacher and started like i don't know things like kind of started looking up for me in a way that um i mean i really liked my high school before then but it was challenging and i wasn't didn't feel magical Mm -hmm. and then at that point i was like is you know like when you're a senior and you're like yeah, I got this. Yeah. Uh, I was starting to approach that that feeling. Yeah. And started to feel like, okay, I've figured this thing out a little bit. Yeah. Did you, uh, this is going to sound dumb, but did did you guys have like TVs in your boarding a, houses? And did you, you know, because some places yeah. really are just, you know, yeah. there's nothing like that. You go out, you go into the town if you're going to watch a movie, but there's, you know, or maybe there's a common room or something like that. There but was a it common was, room. Oh, okay. There okay. was a common room and, uh, and there was a TV in there. 
and that was it. And there was a phone in there and, um, and that was it. So, so did you, did you feel like you were getting ex- exposed to contemporary culture in terms of music and movies and TV the way somebody who would be living at home would be or, um, like, did you have stuff that you were really into? Like, Oh, I got to watch such and such, or well, we I know I watch... love this director's movies, you know? Well, that, that for sure. We started to, you know, that was around the time when like Quentin Tarantino was putting out Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and stuff. And so, uh, there was like a kind of little mini teenage cinephile community in my mm-hmm. dorm. And, um, and so we really, we loved that. And, you know, like I was starting to get into independent film around then, but, um, but you know, like we couldn't watch really any TV. The only TV I think that there were there were some kids who were older than me who would tape X Files, and then we because we could only watch TV from we had the TV had to go off at eight o'clock mm-hmm. every night, mm. except on Saturday we could keep it. We could have it yeah, on. Yeah, eight o'clock is when everything comes on. Yeah, that's so funny. People, so we but we could like record something mm-hmm. and then watch it. You know, on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So on Saturdays they'd watch X Files. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't really watch it that much. Yeah. And were you into sports or anything? Was there anything like that going on? I ran track and then uh, switched from that to, um, I started playing ultimate frisbee. Okay. Um, which was not. What's the difference between, what's, what's ultimate frisbee? I only just, I mean, literally this last weekend, did I become acquainted with, with what uh, frisbee golf slash yeah. disc golf even yeah. was. Uh, ultimate frisbee is sort of like. It's kind of along the lines of soccer, football, and rugby in that there's like two end zones gotcha. and you have to get and you I'm throw. sure I've been told this before, but it just didn't yeah. it didn't lock in. It's it's that's a pretty simple game. You have to throw the frisbee, you know, into the and have it be caught in the other end zone. Mm-hmm. And um and you can't run with the frisbee. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So there's not the same kind of violent tackling that takes place in rugby? Um, or is there? I mean, you, you can't make contact. Like once some, you know, you, there's a lot of jostling to catch the Frisbee and stuff. But but since you can't run with it, there's a lot of tackling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really fun. That kind of thing is, I mean, if it's if those things that you compared it to, rugby and so forth, and soccer particularly, um, I played that. I played soccer when I was in junior high, but... When you're that young, you really don't even have an awareness of how exhausting it is. I mean, yeah. I think there's just this sort of, I just don't remember ever being that tired. I knew I hated running long distances in any sort of PE environment. But um, but when it was a sport like that, I just feel like you're this kid, so you have this like boundless energy. Yeah. And as an adult, I went and watched a friend of mine play in, you know, like an intramural, like whatever soccer, just like a fun adult soccer team. Yeah. And... I was so exhausted just watching. I was like, oh, this is all running. You're just yeah. running. You're just running all the time mm-hmm. for a great long distance <laughs> as fast as you can. It just seemed so overwhelming to me. That was a, the other thing that happened similar to the math stuff. You know, so I skipped a grade when I was little. And so I was always the youngest person in Me too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So maybe you can I mean, I skipped this. kindergarten. I didn't even really. Same with me. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like a, I want to be like, I skipped seventh grade, yo. Okay. Like I yeah. was that smart. They were just like, nah, you got all that in your head already. Yeah. <laughs> kindergarten, not so much. But it counts. You know, I mean, like, so this is the to thing. Be, is like, I'll tell you this. To be a smart kid and be the youngest, like to still be smart in the, in the grade that you aren't supposed to be in yet, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, and everything was fine um, up until I got to middle school because 
I was even, I was like, okay at sports. I was even uh, maybe pretty good at sports and certainly like I liked them and, and, um, and I remember around like fourth grade or something, it came, I like started to realize that I was fast and, um, and I was one of the fastest kids in school. And so I, so that was just something that I felt like I knew about myself. And then I remember, um, get, getting to sixth grade, there was the school was suddenly much bigger. You know, I went from this school of 50 people to a school of, or, you know, 50 per, people per grade to a school of 400 people per grade. Yeah. I... And, um, and then. And there were some kids who had held, been held back and stuff, and you know, and, you, you, and we'd have to go, and we had to run a mile for whatever. And uh, and I ran it, and I was like, okay, and I and you know, I came in like thirtieth or something like that, nothing special at all. Right. Thirtieth out of four hundred is still like okay, but nothing yeah. special. And then and uh, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm just not <laughs> that fast. And then the but then the revelation came in seventh grade. We did it again. You know, you have to run it every year. And again, I think I was like in somewhere between 30 and 35th or something. Um, and I had my time. But they post the top, they post the times for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember looking in the gym and seeing the sixth grade times. And the number one kid in sixth grade had a slower time than I did. Uh, oh. And I realized that if I hadn't skipped a grade. There you go. you are done the fastest. I would have been the fastest kid in kid the school. Kid in your grade. Oh. And or in the great, yeah, yeah, and uh, and it suddenly dawned on me like the consequences of my parents deciding to like push me ahead, yeah, and I was so they ruined sad. your life. Let's face it, they ruined your life. I mean, they made me from then till now, they turned me from a jock <laughs> into a nerd. I went from being a jock, to a potential jock, <laughs> they just flipped the switch, yeah, because oh, I was small, from, you know, I was small and scrawny, yeah. and like, and and you know, and I think felt when I started to think about all the ways in which that affects you. You know, like with girls, I think about that a lot too. Like yeah. if um, if you're a year younger than everybody else, and it like it shows in the way you look, yeah, it's a little bit harder. And yeah, I was already felt like I had enough uphill of an uphill battle being, especially like before I, you know before I got to high school, being the only Indian kid. Oh, you, you were know. the only Indian kid. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even ask about that. I just didn't. But I, I guess I. Yeah, I just didn't ask. Yeah. I didn't know if there. Yeah, I guess I. Uh, sometimes I'm really good at asking that stuff, and then sometimes I just totally gloss over it and I forget <laughs> yeah. because my school was very multicultural, so I just don't even. Yeah, I forget to ask. Where was but your school? In Tucson, Arizona. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, yeah. Well, was yeah. it public school? Mm-hmm. All public, all the way. Yeah. All the way. So I'm always fascinated, particularly by boarding school. It's just fascinating to me because I can't even. I I feel like I would have just. I don't know what would have happened to me if I'd been boarding school. You know, do you think about that? If you had stayed at home and gone to public school, what kind of kid you would be? Yeah, it definitely would have been worse, especially, you know, like, I mean, if I were, I mean, maybe I rebelled more because I was still living at home. So I could, cause there's like a safety net there that yeah. you're taking advantage of, even as you, you exploit it. Mm-hmm. But, but like in my mind, because of all the shit I got involved in when I was in high school, thank God I still had like my dad there. Right. I think to my, so of course I'm going to the place of like, Oh my God, I would have gotten pregnant or like died of a yeah. drug overdose or something. <laughs> yeah. But maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I would have been, I would have evolved completely differently without that parental sort of, you know, mm-hmm. toe the, like the line that was kind of holding on to me. Yeah. I think there's so many factors that would determine you know whether it's right for a kid or, or wrong for a kid but it was definitely right for me and would you say that those are i mean not to put words in your mouth but go ahead and feel free to say and those friendships i built man those friendships <laughs> it's true though <laughs> the the so the dorm that i lived in in high school was just 30 boys and um and more so than like kids in my 
grade or anything like that. The people who I'm closest with is, is, is like a small group of like four or five boys from that dorm. Um, cause we would spend all our time together, you know, yeah. we would eat together and yeah. I love that. Yeah. Where do they all live now? You're like um, with me in our home. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> exactly. They're waiting in the car right now. We're going to get pizza after this. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, no, like, um, it, I remember when, uh, when one of them, one of my friends from that dorm moved, I'd been trying to get him to move to LA for a long time. And, um, and then, and then he did finally. And, and it just changed. Like I'd been living in LA for, for a while, for a few years. And then when, when that happened, it just like my, and I liked it. I liked to hear, but it suddenly felt different. Just mm. having him in the same city just felt like more, it made it feel like home in a yeah. way, like a part of my identity snapped into place yeah. like a bit of the puzzle that makes total sense yeah i love that yeah oh my god uh you know what i just realized is i should probably get into this mash game oh yeah before i keep you here till the end of time um okay so now i do have to tell you one quick thing which is that there is a little hummingbird who has built a nest outside my closet window and right now she is pulling little threads from the rope oh. of that hanging plant yeah to continue to build her nest it's maybe the cutest thing that's happened in a decade in this neighborhood <laughs> so i good. just wanted you to be advised of that yeah. i'm sure she'll come back by but uh <laughs> god it's so cute i'll show you the nest if you're interested although that would all right uh okay um i'm thinking about dogs um so okay also, so i for... get to say thank you for having me on your podcast oh my I'm gosh are so you kidding honored me to be a boy of i was summer. so excited um and i feel yeah i feel really um flattered that you asked me and also that i, I deserve so to be here no i feel so flattered that you said yes and i was so excited that you were going to be uh on the cruise when i found out i got like i really was like oh my god that's pretty cool, that's so cool. i mean this is a perfect place for us to become best friends <laughs> when you asked um, me to do that i was like i was like oh, what did she, why did she and I was like, oh well, every podcast needs to have its least famous guest oh for god's <laughs> sake first of all r- totally dead wrong about the level of knownness that you may or may not have uh, on my podcast, but also like, who cares? I like to believe that my listeners are here for the, because they like the podcast and right. and then you'll bring in people who like listening to you, but I don't, I'm not out there. I'm not going like, uh, I need perfect strangers to be interested in me. Um, hold on. Uh, if that, I were doing that, I would hope to be making money too. <laughs> I would be right. like, if I'm going to put that much devotion into like getting, branded in some way then yeah. i i probably would uh have to take that more seriously but i found a way to be very lazy about it and just do whatever i want that's you know that's a, and that's, that's a good way because i don't get paid um song exploder for song exploder that's such a huge part of my consideration of like well sure be on. sure so. and it's extremely practical i mean it's, but it's also I'm really not painful a, a terribly that practical too. person yeah you do you know, have like, people who ask you to be on it and you kind of have to go, not yet, just let me get to where yes. this, the podcast is there so that I can then introduce people to who I'm interested versus I need these people to come and rate it and subscribe and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the way I, I try and tell them, you know, honestly is like, I'm like, I would never put like my band on the podcast, you know? <laughs> I, I, yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. And also you, we've talked about this. We talked about this on, on the Joko cruise, but, um, the time and effort that you put into your podcast is very different from me. Like the time and effort that I put into this is us scheduling this, you coming over me, making sure I get pictures from you, <laughs> getting a description, sending it to Nerdist, and then I'm done. It's right. not like, I'm not editing. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. engineering. I'm not playing snippets of something else. It's just very, yeah. it's very lazy. 
What I'm no. saying is I have an improv-based podcast. <laughs> right, Not exactly. surprising. The form follows the function or yeah. the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so first question, let's just go with, um, uh, let's, go, let's start building our little mashed universe okay. for you. So let's get uh, three places. I'm going to do real-world vacation homes, but then we'll explore some sort of more fantastical stuff in okay. other categories. So three real-world places, if it were not a problem to get there, that you would like to have a vacation home. Okay. And so whatever this- vacation means to you, because that could mean a bustling city. This is a real place, and I'm talking about a geographic, mm-hmm. geographic location. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't need latitude and longitude, right. but... Okay. Well, maybe some, I should. No. But some of these are places... Okay, my first thought is not a place that I know, so I don't know that this is actually mm-hmm. where I want to go, but I, um, but something in like the French countryside. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you want that. Don't worry. Yeah, where I can walk to a market and, uh, you know, get some fresh groceries and then go home and make it. That's what I want. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I'll put you... I could put you right where I was an exchange student and you'd be happy really? as a clam. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, then... Where else? Um, probably New York. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I had a really hard time living in New York for a little while because it was so expensive and it was just so hard to live there. Um, really because of the money. Like I just felt like yeah. I could, I, I could never really. Oh, I'm sure it. I could be very happy there if I had the money that I would want to have to have that life. Yeah. So I'm assuming that in this scenario yeah. for Mash, I oh, have yeah. the money. Yeah. You're not a uh, pauper in New York. Um, Then I've got like a fancy, you know. Well, mansion, apartment, shack, house. You could end up with a shack. But I guess it would be a sweet shack. Yes. In one of these places. Yeah. If we're basing it on square footage. And by the way, a shack in New York is still like a penthouse studio apartment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay, great. Okay, great. Got it. New York. What's your final one? Um, My final one. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't been there, so I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But, I like this. I like um, that you're taking a little chance here. Yeah, um, I'm going to say um, in... Uh, what's the neighborhood in Tokyo? Is it Shibuya? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, busy, busy. Yeah. Shibuya, like Shibuya Crossing. Yeah. I did like that very much there. I think I thought all of Japan was going to be like that. Or just, I thought all of Tokyo was going to be like that. Right. I thought, how am I going to move and walk around? Yeah. It, it wasn't all Is that like too that. busy? Should I pick the part, uh, is it Nara, where they have the deer that run around and you can pet them? I mean, that would probably be fine too. That would be fine. I'm going to stick with Tokyo. I think, I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Tokyo in general, you could very easily find, uh, there's some really cute, quiet neighborhoods and then there's some really vibrant neighborhoods and then some just insane neighborhoods. But, yeah. um, I think so. I'm I guess I just put Tokyo. So that's good. Okay. Okay. Uh, next one is three movies mm-hmm. that you can jump into at the snap of a finger and, uh, you're in a safety bubble. So, but you're just experiencing the characters in the, the world. Yes. Uh, this is one that I sh- I was like I should I should think of <laughs> I appreciate your willingness to be extemporaneous against all of your better judgment <laughs> um um my the first thing that popped in my head was kicking and screaming the new oh, Bombach movie oh I love that movie um because my sister 
used to say that those guys reminded her of me and my friends from my dorm. In oh, interesting. Well. Okay. Yeah. I'll have um, to watch it again with that in mind. They're all a little obnoxious and we probably are too, or were anyway at yeah. that, that, that time. So, so I have a, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to be like, oh, these guys. But, uh, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Great. Um, um, the Jump Street se- reboots. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I think that those guys are so sweet. Great. That's a great choice. Um, but you're really going re- realism. Oh, oh, I guess I didn't need to. <laughs> I mean, this is your opportunity I think to like I've live in Star s- Wars or whatever. I've but. got school in my yeah. brain. And so I'm like, <laughs> who would be my yourself. friends? Yeah. Who, who do I want to have to be my friends? <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, because then like the next thing, because <laughs> I was like, and then like I would, uh, you know, uh, Emma Stone's character in Easy A. I was yeah. just thinking of like school movies. You really were. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. She's so nice in that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> or or uh, Lindsay Lohan's family in um, oh the best Ladysmith Black in, Bombazo fans. Yeah, Mean Girls in Mean Girls, so not good. the actual Mean Girls, but the family. Yeah, agreed. I might have to put that down. Mean Girls. <laughs> mean Girls, the just mean the family, just fam. the domestic life. Mean Girls fam. Okay, great. Um, okay, next category is, uh, listen, let's just get the foods one right out of the way because your dad's a food scientist. Okay. Something different. Um, Something different. <laughs> uh, three things that in this life are not good for you in some way that you can have uh, in perpetuity mm-hmm. with no physical ramifications mm-hmm. in this other universe. It's not a very original answer, but McDonald's french fries. Great. Yeah, they really figured it out on that one. Yeah. Um, but I have like a crazy sweet tooth. So without, I don't have to pick a specific brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say chocolate <laughs> You're chip. You're your father's son. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't say chocolate chip cookies. But yeah. There are, and then oh, just, a million different kinds. Yeah. yeah. You there don't want to so limit many. yourself to just And one. if I can have all of those and not have them be bad for me. Yeah. That's really oh, the jackpot. heck yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and... Um, I'm just now I'm just thinking of sweets. Mm-hmm. All I think about. Please do. That's what is this sweets. is for. Did you ever hear, you know, the, it's like Adidas all day. I dream about sweets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you like, like, so when you say you have a sweet tooth, does that mean that it's, it, it does extend beyond pastries and chocolate to like, like fruity sort of like Twizzlery kind of. I'm not, that, a, not, that just not like plastic. Twizzler, Why yeah. would I ask that? Yeah. Why would anyone say <laughs> other than like a weird association with something positive from their childhood? Like I will eat them. I don't eat them. If I did, it would just be because I wanted to sort of feel like the kid who was eating Twizzlers. Well, this is where, um, I feel like there, there are divides where there's like, are you a chocolate can based candy person yeah. and a non chocolate yeah. based candy. Like person. people who like a uh, sour patch kids, for example, yeah, aren't Swedish necessarily fish. also upset. Yeah. yeah. But You're I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm chocolate all the way. Yeah. Okay. So what's your third one? So my third one, I'll say ice cream. Great. Great, great, great. All of these things, by the way, I would eat together without the yeah. s- a second thought. Oh, French fries one, and ice cream, cookie, done. Chocolate chip cookie sandwich with some French fries laid across yeah. the top. Yeah. Get that salt in there. Yeah. Please. Please. Uh, I don't know why I'm angry. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> next category. Because it's not here. Because, <laughs> because right it's now. not here and it's not good for me. Uh, next category, all due respect to your lovely wife. I mean, what a beautiful woman. <laughs> Thank you. I can only say that because I, I don't so. know her. So I can't say, I mean, she seems wonderful, but 
but I can tell you from afar, she's a good, she's a real looker. Uh, how gross, Janet. Um, but this is our alternate universe, uh, sexy times, I mean, romance. I in, in theme with the teenage part of this show. Yeah, great. My teen self thanks yes. you so much because it definitely wasn't, there was definitely a long time when it didn't seem like that was ever going to be. Okay, good. <laughs> good. That would ever be I'm so anywhere. And even still now, I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah. There's good. no way. You don't take it for granted. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. So it can be a character from a movie. It doesn't have to specifically be, you know, okay. the celebrity that you don't from know, movies, but you though, did. right? Not or from, from books or from, from books. Okay. hell, you can do cartoons if you want. I mean, okay. some of my first crushes were like Muppets probably. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I never really had like crushes on celebrities growing up. Um, I don't know what that was. I remember my best friend growing up in like third or fourth grade being like, Oh, I love Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but she's not, she's not somebody, you know, yeah. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> good for you. It's very grounded. Um, okay. But so now who would I pick? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this on the way over. And it can be someone from, you know, it can be like, Oh, Diane Keaton, Sergey Annie Hall, like that kind of thing too. Right. Um, <laughs> and it also could be like, if you want to, uh, if you want to indulge a younger self, I'm not going to be grossed out if you're like, you know, Molly Ringwald and 16 Candles. Like, I'm not saying that you want a 15 year old girl right, now. Right, right. We would all understand. Yeah. Um, Jonah Ray's answer, first answer for this was so good. What was his first answer? Uh, Ewan McGregor and the, in the oh. cars. Oh, I was like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. He really, he really surprised me and delighted me with that. That, that was great. That's a good answer. Yeah. I, I would, I would. Definitely marry Ewan McGregor. Okay, and, great. And because, no, I can't repeat his answer. All right, all right, all right. Go my own. Um, but you know, but like that kind of—he's just—he's the best. Yeah, he really is. Um, you tell me yours. I'm stalling for time. You can stall for time. I and and the, and I appreciate having the tables turned on me because I'm terrible at this, and my answers are so varied depending on who, what, where, when, and why. Um. I've got one. Oh yeah. Look, that was a great time killer. Cause I didn't have to come up with anything. Um, how about Catherine Deneuve in umbrellas of Cherbourg? Oh, wonderful. But with an asterisk where, well, I don't want to spoil the movie for people, but where it, it turns out differently in the end. Okay, great. That's fair. Um, you get the version that you want. Um, Can I say a real real person who I, I mean, who I don't know. Yeah. So she, to me, is just a fictional character. Of course. um, In my interaction with her. Yeah. But um, Jessica Williams. Oh, sure. Sure. As the correspondent on The Daily Show. That character. Yeah. It's only a wonderful compliment. There's nothing weird about that. And I agree 100%. That's great. Um, One time I tweeted that I thought that she would be that she should she should play Lizzie Bennett in a in a remake in a Jane Austen remake. Amazing. And um and it was very exciting because she wrote back. Uh, but that so that character, if I'm going to design yeah. <laughs> design that would be who it would be Jessica Williams as Lizzie Bennett. Oh, I love it, boy! You really engineered that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Um, and then. It's true for me that I... Oh, you have someone? No, go ahead. 
Oh no, I just like we've been talking about high school years so much that yeah, I, it's it's the easiest pull for me is to like go back to a time when I had a like very intense crush that lasted a long time. Because nowadays it's not that I don't have them, but if I'm watching, I have such a short attention span now that like if I am watching that thing in the moment, I'll be like, how delicious is that person? But then I just kind of forget about it afterwards. Yeah. Whereas you know, in high school, I was like. I if I don't marry Jodie Foster, I may die. <laughs> but I also need to be married to Steve Martin. Like I just was so it was so important to me. So like I and I and for the longest time I just held the biggest torch for Kevin Klein and Pirates of Penzance. So he's kind of always still floating around in there. That version <laughs> of him with his pirate outfit that's like yep. cut open with his hairy chest showing. I mean it's absurd with like a bandana around his head. What what is that? Um, but, and then all the Jodie Foster stuff was like mostly young Jodie Foster. So then I just felt as creepy as like someone who shot the president for mm-hmm. her. So, um, there's no like through line. There's no real, you can't go like, Oh, if, if that, then of course that it's just like all right. over the place. Um, see n- once you get into the number three slot, the pressure is a little bit off and now I'm like, yeah. just like flooded with, fuck it. I don't even dances. like this person. I'm Anna like- Nicole Smith. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, um, how about in now I feel like this is um how about Veronica Mars? Is that oh, too yeah. weird? I already just no, talked about that's wonderful. Um yeah. I think that's fantastic. I'll, I'll give you my alternates. Just, just yeah. Have, uh, uh, other alternate would have been. Did you have you seen uh, Borgen? Oh yes, Birgitta Nyborg. Pa- the only person who I a know besides you who's seen it also picked her in his is Paul F. Tompkins. Unsurprising. Wow. Yeah, you're in good company. All right, you're in good company. That's a great choice. Birgitta Nyborg. Oh, just yeah. I have so wonderful, much, so many tender feelings. Me too. For her. Oh, she's wonderful. Yeah. No, great. Boy, that's a that's a good alternate. I don't know what. Yeah, well. Uh, okay. Uh, next category is alternate. Let's do alternate universe career. Wait, so, who was the first person that I picked? Uh, Captain oh, yeah. Duneau. Well, let's put in Brigitte and Iborg because the other, okay. the other, otherwise it's just too many young young ladies. Okay. Got it. Okay, perfect. All right. And so this is alternate universe careers. And again, this is the sort of perfection mash universe where you don't have to think about the day in day out slog of something you might like, you might go, Oh, well, if I would want to do that, but then that would mean I would also have to blank. This is sort of the idealized version of these careers. That's sort of only the good stuff. Okay. Okay. Like you're already famous and you only do the best. Exactly. Okay. Um, I would, I think I would then be an architect. Great as my sister had always intended for me to be. Yeah. She was like, you should be an architect. And then I looked into it and I was like, mm. <laughs> I looked into it. I think I felt that way about astronomy for one second. <laughs> I was like, sure, this is, I'm sorry. There's how much math. Okay. I'm good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Um, okay. And so again, the idea is that I would only have to do the good stuff and I would be good at it. Um, I would, I mean, I would love to be like like a film auteur. Oh, yeah. Right. You Great. know, write and direct. Yeah. Two things I can't do at all, but that would be really, that would be great. Great. Universally beloved for being a genius. That, yeah. That sounds like a good. Yeah. Like, I just wished I lived inside of one of Rishi's 
movies that would be yeah yeah exactly you're that guy I'm just responsible for the kind of joy a person who's, who's responsible for the kind of joy that i experience yes understood 100 percent um and then while we're at it uh a pastry chef great also bringing a great deal of exactly. joy into people's yeah. lives yeah absolutely okay cool all right uh this one is um this is the this one is there's something sort of like weirdly ephemeral and random about it but the sort of the experience it again for the first time idea which can be as simple as seeing a movie that and ha- and being able to ex- cherish that same excitement like i think pulp fiction is a good example like when i saw that I definitely was like, oh my God, what's happening? This is amazing. What has happened here? If I saw it again for the first time tomorrow, I doubt I would have that experience right. with it. So I would want the whole feeling of yeah. it. I would want that whole feeling and like the high afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so three things like that, but it can also be like, you know, the first time you visited X place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so cheesy, but really, uh, like I always want to go back to the day that I fell in love with my wife. I, I couldn't relate to that or respect it more. Um, I actually have a photo from that day and it's like one of my most cherished things. I love that. Who's um, going to help. That's, that's the kind of cheesiness I insist upon. Okay. I, I, and I'm so grateful for that photo. Like I didn't know it at the time that that was what it was. Like I knew I was like flooded with some kind of emotion and I was just like, this is, I was just really happy and I took a picture of her at that moment and now I'm so glad that I did um, because I was like, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. You can see the exact, it's the opposite of the thing in The Simpsons when you can see Rocky's heart break. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, that's slow-mo. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's wonderful. I don't know. That's your first one, so good luck with your number yeah. two and three. <laughs> um. And then I think there was there was a moment when I remember uh, <laughs> I remember uh, being you know just like with no preparation just got I got an email um, that they wanted that that Pontiac wanted to use a song of mine in a car commercial and I was not signed to a, re- a record label or anything it was just I'd been doing my like DIY thing for six seven years at that point you know and and uh and it felt like this incredible validation with that came attached to like a with yeah a check, yeah um that was just and it just was out of the blue yeah oh god that's fantastic where i was just like it was the closest thing to feeling like I'd won the won lottery. lottery. Absolutely. Yeah. But also like you won the lottery for something you took love and care and yes. doing. So yeah. it's even better than that because it feels like a random win from the universe, but it also is directly attached to like your work and exactly. your heart and soul. Yeah. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Sadly that has been translated to Pontiac on here, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> which strips it. Nope. That's of all right. art. I am uh, okay. And then number three. And then number three. Um, number three is, um, when I was growing up, my parents would listen to this, uh, Indian, Indian music, um, program on, on, um, on the radio and they would sometimes like make tapes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, it wasn't contemporary music. It was like older music. I think the very first time, the very first time I heard and this, there was this 
tape of like old 60s Bollywood songs. Um, and I didn't understand what nostalgia was, but it was like my first experience with it. But it yeah. was for a nostalgia for something that I had not actually lived through. But just the sound of that music gave me like this palpable feeling. Um, that sense of both like the feeling itself and also the wonder of not understanding what it was that I, was happening. I would love to be able to I, relive that. I love that. I love that. Because I think that I unconsciously search for that feeling all the time I with, think, with, with a lot of the music I listen to. I think that became, that's what I'm saying. So that happy sad for me is yeah, that, exactly. is that oh, yeah. feeling of like longing, not necessarily for the past, but there's a sense of something lost and there's a sense of the unknown, but there's a sense of Maybe treasure and like hope. It. Yeah. It's just all of that stuff wrapped up. That became, that feeling became, I think like the primary um, motivator for, for all the music that I ever made. That's a, uh, that makes sense to me because you're very talented. And if, if, if I, if that's where my head and heart are when I'm enjoying music, it makes sense that I would be drawn to stuff like that too. Um, great. Okay. Uh, I mean, I really am. Le- I'm just leaning all the way away from anything musical. Do you want me to just lean right out of it? Cause sure. it just feels like it's too, it's too connected. Yeah. I don't want you to feel like you have to have a perfect answer. Um, so to that end, uh, super superhero skills. I'm just going to the other side of the world mm-hmm. on totally unreasonable, unrealistic, crazy cuckoo. Uh, three skills, three superhero gifts, three powers. That is the word I'm looking for. Three powers. Yeah. Wow, that was some impressive aphasia on my part. <laughs> three, what do you call them? Hobbies. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> Slight abilities. Wait. Uh, the one that I'm al- I always think about um, because it feels because it's how it's both a blessing and a curse is telepathy. Yeah. I and somehow I'm drawn to both parts of it. Like I, I I'm attracted to that idea of the curse of it mm-hmm. being burdened with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe you just know. Maybe there's some part of you that feels like if you had the gift part of it, you would your responsibility would be also to sort of have the yin and the yang of whatever that yeah entails yeah. And then to whatever extent, you know, superpowers are the manifestation of our inner selves. I would like to have the power of invulnerability. Wonderful. Wonderful. If I can't have a thick skin in this life. Agreed. Then. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and. There's, I don't know what this power would be, but it would be like the equivalent of like the cornucopia like to be able to like generate food mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and like resources in a way that would end want or something yeah like yeah jesus um, christ i'm just totally kidding yeah. totally kidding yeah. bread and fishes bread exactly. and fishes bread and, bread and fish man yeah i'm yeah. just with jesus yeah but you know um, no i think that's that. great with some uh, vegetarian options uh, <laughs> <laughs> i said bread <laughs> um okay uh yeah what do we want to call that um Horn of plenty. Everything I'm coming up with is so gross. <laughs> I almost just said the provider. <laughs> the provider. That's pretty good. It's so it's like legit. 1950s nuclear family. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're not going to eat unless the provider gives you something. <laughs> Horn of plenty is much more. Uh, there's much more whimsy. I mean, there's an O and an apostrophe. Right, so right. that's unbeatable. Okay. Amazing. 
And then, um, okay, so we're down to our final category. Final category, you can live for a day in someone else's body. And so it can be just like, I would want to see what it would feel like to be, you know, my cousin, or I would want to see what it felt like to be Barack Obama for a day, or what would it be like to be a woman and have a totally different set of tools. Mm-hmm. And so not so I could do either specific or non-specific. Mm-hmm. Um, or an animal could even be an animal. Assuming you have you retain your level some level of consciousness afterwards that you can remember, even if you're sort of stripped of that consciousness in the moment, to be able to reconnect with that experience. Yeah. No, I would definitely want want to be a woman for a day great um did you ever see that dustin hoffman video when he where he's talking about tootsie and like his experience of making cook tootsie and he just like starts bawling i have not seen it i what i did see was him do like a 45 minute intro for the film tootsie at the arc light back when they were doing uh like their 100 greatest films or whatever yeah and he talked a little bit about that, but he was sort of all over the place. But I, yeah. I'll have to watch it because that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I would think I think I would go into Tootsie if I could, yeah. and just hang out with those <laughs> right. freaks. Yeah, be so fun. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's the it's it's a level of empathy that I I just can't get to, no matter how hard I try. Um, I'll never be able to like really have it. And so just to be able to have it for a day, I feel yeah. like it would make me a better person. Absolutely. Final two. Okay. Wait. You have two more. What did I say so far? Just to be a woman for a day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, did I not say I wanted to be Dustin Hoffman for a day? Maybe right. I wasn't clear. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like now I should have picked specific women, but no, and I think just one. No, no, I think that's fine. Then I would like to, um, uh, because also this could be your trip into the past if you wanted to. You could be like, I would want to be a cobbler in 1870s. I would have liked, I would like to have been, uh, um, Michael Jordan for a day. Great. Not even that Michael Jordan is my favorite basketball player, but because he just at, at, a time in my life like represented the just the height oh of sure understood winningness understood um, yeah he was as close to a superhero as we've had as yeah. humans in some on some level yeah um and who else real person though no no fuck it no <laughs> i'll pick Brigitte and iborg again great <laughs> great it's going to be fascinating if you get to spend a day as her, but you also end up with her because then it really will just be like a quick little freaky Friday. I mean, that would be the ultimate in both empathy and narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're striving for exactly. here with this match game. That's the, <sighs> okay, so you know this Yahtzee. little last part where uh, I just do a quick thing yep. uh, where you told me to stop and then yep. I do the, okay. Yep. So just, I'm starting now. Tell me when okay. to stop. Stop. Okay, I'm going to pause this, do some calculating. Okay. It does not involve actual math. I'm going to give you your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Excellent. I mean, I really was like, I feel like the last expression was very like Robert De Niro. Like, <laughs> you got good stuff. Good stuff here. Pretty good Robert De Niro. Uh, <laughs> in as much as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, younger woman for now uh yeah thank you but you you got the shape of his mouth really right on yeah 
I really okay. Uh, <laughs> what a, what a gifted woman. Um, okay, uh, these are all great. Um, number one, I want to congratulate you on your ability. I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna jump street into this one. You can jump into the Twenty One Jump Street reboots. Okay. And hang out with those guys. All right. Super fun. That seems like the right environment in which you have unlimited access to McDonald's French fries. Yes. Just fucking around with those guys okay. eating French fries. So, so far, it seems, sounds a lot like my life. Uh-huh. It was. It's <laughs> <laughs> been just reliving my teenagers. Uh, uh, so that's just like some palling around fun times. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably come hang out with you from time to time at your house in New York. Okay. A ho- you had a house in Manhattan, dude. Wow. That's a big deal. So I'm a millionaire. That's a, you are very easily a multimillionaire. Um, I want to congratulate. Well, you know why? Because you're one of the world's preeminent architects. And that, my friend, oh, pays very was, well indeed. <laughs> that was definitely the worst answer. <laughs> well, I looked into too it. Bad. I looked into it. <laughs> it. <laughs> well, too bad because you're a MF and architect. All right. However, when you just need to get away from that and you're like, listen, I got to, I want to feel the total opposite right now, just in the sense of being in your body and having so much of what you're doing professionally be about that. You get to jump into Michael Jordan's body. Okay. For one day. All right. I'm going to let you carve that day up into different hours and different minutes. So you really could do that for the rest of your life. If you want, you could be like, I just want five minutes as Michael Jordan circa Excellent. 90. Excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, what it was left. Okay. So, uh, you also have, uh, the ability to just create delicious and sustaining food for the world. Well, that's pretty awesome. You could like design one more thing as an architect and then give it up and just do that. I don't think anyone would complain. I'll just design a place to put all the food. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Just a big fridge. (laughs) Uh, Okay, now these two are little, they conflict with each other a little bit, um, but this is a world in which everything can exist uh, peacefully. Mm-hmm. You uh, have ended up with uh, Bridget Nyborg. Wow. So well played and well done. Yes, thank Because you. that's a great companion. She's yeah. got a lot of sex appeal. She's incredibly smart. She's very sensitive. She's got a practicality. She but she also me. has, yeah, she is a, a, a real hope and optimism in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very collaborative. I think that's great. I think that she is going to be very accepting of the fact that whenever you want, you can also revisit the moment that you realize you fell in love with your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I think she would be okay with that. I think she'd be fine with it. Yeah. She's very grounded. Yeah. She's a very grounded person. Um, Rishi, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. This was what a joy and a pleasure. Um, uh, There is a final piece of this that I think you might know is coming, but if you don't, I'm really sorry, which is that I just need you to sing a little snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Uh, Okay. Um, I need. I think I need a. I think I need a little. Mm -hmm. You want me to sing you in? Yeah. Where would you do? Want? Do you have a verse in mind, or do you want to do the chorus? Like. Um, I I think it's gonna have to be the chorus because I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. uh, This is a. I know my but I know you're not home. I can see you. Your brown skin shining in the sun. I think we need. I think I might need karaoke. Okay. I should have uh, you can also you can also make it up. Oh, you know what? I might have printed them out one time when I was feeling really. Look at this. Look at this, and it's also oh. had like had oh. water spilled on it. I mean, that really okay. makes it look like an ancient document. Okay. Oh, this is about me. You can see me. <laughs> brown skin shining in the I sun. Know. You know. Yeah. 
I do you wear Wayfarers by any chance? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, kind of. They're, those, they're, the, uh, they're not aviators, uh, but they're that other. Yeah. They're kind of like well, Wayfarers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you going to sing it with me? I will if you want me to. Yes, I would prefer that. Okay. Wherever you pick, I'll try to join you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to need your help. Okay, great. Okay. I can, can see, see you, your brown skin shining in the sun. You got, got your, your head thrown back. back. I don't know which one you're doing, but they're all a little different. Yeah, let's and do your that sunglasses, sunglasses on, baby. baby. I can, can tell you, my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Oh, Rishi, you're the best. Uh, guys, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Now, we talked about West Wing Weekly. We talked about Song Exploder. Uh, people can find you on the internet. Mm-hmm. Where can they find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Rishi Hereway, and Rishi is spelled H-R-I-S-H-I. Do not forget that H at the beginning. Yep. You'll live to regret it. Uh, Twitter and Instagram and whatever. That, that's where I, people can find me. Wonderful. Um, guys, I hope you're enjoying your summer. I'll talk to you soon. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.